Welcome to today's episode of Ownership Matters, a podcast for homeowners in resident-owned communities, brought to you by Rock USA. I'm Paul Bradley. And I'm Mike Bullard. We have a great program for you today, huh, Mike? This is our 2022 year in review. These are so much fun. Sure is, and quite a year it was. It sure was. Our notes run long on this, although we've not practiced this one bit nor have we practiced any podcast before this. So we're shooting from the hip, ladies and gentlemen, and we're looking forward to uh, sharing some incredible news. Well, Mike, we really had to start off with where the last year finished off in December, on the 23rd of December, in fact, just a few days before the close of the year, Congress passed the price initiative. This is something that the ROC leaders in ROC Association and the Policy and Advocacy Committee and co-op leaders around the country, along with our team and a few other select folks, really were advocating for the last two years a $225 million infrastructure fund, the number one priority for virtually every resident-owned community in the country. And wow, what a way to finish the year, huh, Mike? Indeed. I mean, it ended up being part of the uh, omnibus bill that you all probably saw on the news right before the end of the year. It was the last thing or the second to last thing the Congress did before the end of their session for the year. And what a relief and what an impact it stands to make in resident-owned communities, huh? Oh, well, no question. Water, sewer, community centers, storm shelters, even solar projects. I mean, there's going to be just an enormous amount of opportunity for co-ops. These are limited equity cooperatives, exactly the kind that are in Rock USA Network that uh, will be eligible for these grant funds. These funds are going to go to HUD and HUD will distribute them out. We're not entirely clear how that's going to happen, but Rock USA is stepping up to the plate and providing some comments so that we can make sure these funds make it to the communities most in need and most certainly to resident-owned communities, which the legislation you know, zeroes in on, focuses on almost entirely. This really is something that resident-owned communities really advocated for and by golly, won. So what a tremendous way to finish. Mary O'Hara, who we had up on our podcast in 2022, actually testified in front of Congress at the uh, Transportation, Housing, Urban Development Committee in the House. That's online. I know you wrote about that this summer. Indeed. Um, and in addition to her hard work, of course, as you blogged about this, probably could not have made it as far as it did without the work and the help of resident-owned community leaders from around the country, particularly around New England, where homeowners in several rocks hosted policymakers to come to their community to look at what resident ownership can do and to look at the needs, the critical needs for really basic life-saving infrastructure in these communities, some of which purchased their community with infrastructure needs already there. And so this can really just come in and, and really clean up everything underground and make for some much more secure feelings for the people who are living there. Absolutely. I mean, resident ownership is all about sustainable, long-term, permanent, affordable communities. And you got to have good infrastructure to make that happen. Super excited. Hey, look, you know, there'll be generations, next generations that won't know where the resources came from or how it got done, but that will benefit from these, as you say, underground improvements, vitally important. For everybody's knowledge, you know, PRICE, P-R-I-C-E, actually stands for the Preservation and Reinvestment Initiative for Community Enhancement. And it turns out is actually the T-HUD committee in the House that got together and named it the PRICE Initiative. 
And they named it after the chairman of that committee, Congressman Price, who retired after 28 years in Congress. He represented a district in North Carolina. And reportedly, his objective was to make resident ownership his legacy in Congress. And hats off to Congressman Price. I'd say he absolutely has made resident ownership his legacy. And thank you so much. And bipartisan support could not have gotten done without Senators Leahy and Senator Collins out of Maine and several other key senators, Senator Reid, and of course, the New Hampshire delegation, Senator Murray out of Washington. I could go on and on, and I probably should, because once you start naming supporters, but at the end of the day, strong bipartisan support for this bill and community leaders, community members can really feel proud of that. And and we're a big part of it, a very big part of it. We had co-op leaders hosting congressional offices in several states. I can tell you those visits were really important. We had Rock Association leaders visiting Capitol Hill, speaking to Senate and House staffers on the importance of this bill. So what a great way to finish the year. And now, you know, we're right into it, trying to make sure these dollars are programmed appropriately. So super excited. What a great way to finish the year. Indeed. And speaking of finishing the year, we are celebrating the fact that we finished 2022, welcoming 17 new resident-owned communities into the Rock USA family, if you will, which, among other things, put the total number of rocks in the country past the 300 mark. We're currently sitting at 304, and more than 21,500 homes in those communities. Wow. Just welcome aboard, everyone. We're super excited you've joined the Rock USA family. Those are communities from across the country. One notable one, Mike, I would just point out in Johnstown, Colorado, this co-op purchased their community with resources that were put together with a couple of foundations in Colorado, the Colorado Health Foundation and Colorado Trust, as well as Colorado Housing Finance Authority, Mercy Loan Fund, and two banks that brought resources so that the co-op was financed at about 2% below what Fannie Mae was financing manufactured housing communities at that time. So tremendous effort. You know, this is part of the work going forward is really how do we bring lower cost resources to the table? Because communities have just gotten so expensive. The affordability in communities is just stressed to the max. And that's true for lots of folks with inflation where it's at and cost pressures where it's at. But, you know, we're seeing it, of course, acutely in manufactured housing or mobile home parks. And so that's our our effort. And that, so that's a noteworthy community purchase for me of, of many in 2022. Sure. And we also saw a rock this year, the first rock in a new state this year in Pennsylvania, as well as the another first, this was in Massachusetts, where thanks to the, the hard work of some resident leaders there and Cooperative Development Institute, we saw an investment by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts into a community purchase for the first time ever. Yeah. And that's all part of this, I think, Mike. Increasingly, thankfully, the public sector, the philanthropic sector, impact investors, really everybody across the board seeing the value of these communities as affordable communities and coming to the table in innovative ways to help you know, homeowners purchase their communities. It is exactly what we should all be doing. I'm so glad that it's uh, really taking hold across the country. You might say we're better together. You could say that, Mike, and being the communications guy you are, that would be appropriate. Well, I did. Good, because I did. Well, that's, again, 
right on message. Fabulous. You'd almost think we practiced this, Mike. <laughs> but again, oh. we did not, <laughs> and nor do we, <laughs> evidenced by the product, nothing, taking nothing away from our new executive producer. Also, hey, look, the Rock Association really stepped up to the plate this year with the price initiative, that work. And <laughs> remarkably, two of the three directors were new to their offices this past spring. John Egan from Colorado and Deb Winowitz joining the association board in April and joining with Marjorie Gilsrud from Minnesota. And the three of them, of course, are the association directors, serve on the Rock USA board, and they really led the way for the association in advocating for the price initiative. And boy, talk about stepping up to the plate quickly. Really impressive, impressive oh, sure. work. Oh, sure. Deb, who, by the way, is from Halifax, Massachusetts, and lives in the largest rock to date, really jumped right in, in in engaging it with the media and public speaking. She's been really terrific. If you haven't seen her interview on the Boston Public Radio, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's definitely worth checking out. She's terrific. Incredible. I saw her give a speech last uh, summer in Boston. She was phenomenal. It's like she practiced for this her whole life and she just stood and delivered. And uh, I'll tell you, she motivated some policy changes in Massachusetts that were been really, really important. And of course, we saw Kim Capen stepping down, hitting his term limits of six years and stepping down, still an active volunteer in the association. But Kim provided incredible leadership over the last six years. And just to show you this guy's dedication, he's sticking around to lead a community engagement pilot project with the association, working with a group of communities on really what co-op leaders would identify, I think, as their second largest challenge after infrastructure, which is member engagement. You know, how do we keep members engaged? And Kim has tremendous experience. Of course, he's a leader at his 301 home community. So uh, co-op leaders, that's a special challenge, right? How do you keep folks engaged in a large community like that? Well, Kim has some great personal experience. So excited for Kim to take on this new chapter. Yeah, we're eager to see that take off much in the same way we have been excited to see Rocket, Rock USA's online community, knowledge, education, and training platform take off this year. Rocket oh. is, of course, the online spot for 24-7 training on a whole wide range of topics, some rock-specific, some just leadership in general, leadership skills. And it's a mix of that 24-7 content that's available all the time and also mixed in with that some live webinars and other kinds of trainings. In fact, it hosted this year's Leadership Institute in which more than 60 community leaders joined for all networking, for training, for leadership development, for new skills, you name it, they covered it. Oh, and Mike, a good number of the co-op leaders in the leadership program stuck around for a reading group. That's how much they uh, enjoyed the leadership program and time with each other. So that was really fun to see. First time we've ever seen that. Rocket represents a big part of Rock USA's reorganization that we undertook. Obviously, you know, but for our listeners, tremendous amount of effort over the last 18 months reorganizing Rock USA to really improve our organizational discipline, but also prepare this organization for growth. And I think we see lots of signs of growth, price initiative, chief among them at the moment. We are now 34 employees 
employees from 17 different states, Mike. I did this math the other night because I was wondering. So 17 different states, I mean, from Florida to Louisiana, to Texas, to Oregon and Colorado and Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, Gary, Indiana. I love saying Gary, Indiana. And then, of course, uh, I'm probably missing some folks. And then a big concentration of folks up in the Northeast and D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. So that's been a big part of our past year, the reorganization and then figuring out how to do virtually everything remote. It's quite something that there are employees in almost three times as many states as there were employees, period, when I joined Rock USA. <laughs> Mike, you're aging yourself. <laughs> true, 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 yeah. true. To our uh, listeners who can't see Mike, you know, he joined us before he was middle age and has become middle age here at Rock USA. <laughs> That's what they tell me. <laughs> So, Mike, uh, we pulled off quite a few podcasts this year, even despite losing our first producer in Sammy Chickering and replacing Sammy with Jada some months later. But tell me some of your favorite podcasts from the last year. What comes to mind for you? Oh, geez. Uh, well, the one that jumps to mind, I think, right off the bat was the interview we did with the Searles brothers, who grew up sons yeah. of the president, uh, the first president of the first resident-owned community. And I mean, this, Paul, you were certainly more familiar with that story than I was, having almost lived it. But it was really fascinating to hear just some of the, the ways that this community came to be and got off the ground. And as we just talked about here the other day at the office, it, this whole effort started 40 years ago this month when a graduate student in Michael Swack's class presented this problem of a family member who lived in a manufactured home community whose owners wanted to sell it and whose homeowners wanted to buy it but couldn't find a way to do that through traditional commercial real estate lending. And out of that class and out of that issue was born this rock movement that, again, is now 304 communities strong in 21 states with 21,500 homes and counting. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that interview with those guys. The brother who went off to the military, but returned to live in the community for many, many years and had just moved out when we were talking to them. Just a great example of, you know, why affordable housing, stable, secure communities like Marisena Cooperative are so important. I think he worked for the town of San Bernton in their town highway department. But, you know, stop and consider how vital, you know, affordable housing is in the local economy. And this is where I say this manufactured housing communities just represent affordable housing that people take for granted, I think, in so many ways. And boy, we see too many examples of where it's lost. I mean, then we see examples like this where it's long-term secure and what a tremendous stabilizing force it can be. And how cool was it to listen to them brag yeah. Uh, not only about their father and his leadership over the years, mm -hmm. but about the affordability of this community. Now, what, 38 years later, I think they build it as the cheapest place to live, certainly in Meredith, if not most of New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, I should also tee up. We had a great conversation with Michael Swack, the professor whom you mentioned. Uh, it was his class that uh, the student arrived in with this problem. And it was his suggestion, well, they should buy it as a co-op. And they, this new community loan fund should finance it. And so, in fact, they did, right? The Sisters of Mercy loaned the loan fund $38,000 and the loan fund 
loaned the co-op $38,000 to modern day co-op leaders. They stop and look at a 13 home community and say $38,000. Oh my goodness, that's so cheap. Well, yes, it in today's dollars, it is, but it was a big, big mountain back in 1984. And those dollars do sound pretty small today. And I'm not sure what the inflation would change, how that would change those numbers. But Meredith Center Cooperative was facing many of the same pressures that oh, yeah. co-ops purchasing today are. There's intense growth pressure, real estate pressure in a very touristy town. Property values were going up, up, up. Thankfully, the owners of that community chose to sell to the homeowners if there was a way they could do it. And, and they did. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly right. Well, Mike, one of my favorite, aside from those two, or in addition to those two, would be Courtney Bernier from the University of Wisconsin, who joined us. She had done a, a study and written a couple articles. It was a favorite of mine because she cited Rock USA as a trend in cooperative development, sector-focused, a nonprofit that only is trying to do one thing and do that thing really well, which is helping homeowners in mobile home parks buy their parks as co-ops. Plain and simple as it sounds, of course, it gets a lot more complicated than that, but we were cited as a, as a trend that actually had some historical connection to the rural electric cooperatives, because of course, most of the United States land mass is covered by rural electric cooperatives, you know, single sector focused cooperative development and what a tremendous, tremendous benefit and gain there was from that. So that was a special conversation for me. I guess I'm feeling old and historic today, Mike. So, uh, so that, that would raise up for me. You were middle-aged when I joined Rock USA and, <laughs> and continued to oh, thrive you, as a middle-aged leader. Yes, this. yes. Don't but, pull out your calculator and hit two <laughs> times my age. That's all I ask. But I will say, in addition to evidence of, a, of resident ownership as a trend, I think it also speaks to really the fact that we've gone mainstream, that resident ownership and Rock USA have gone mainstream. We're not the outliers anymore, that this consistent track record of success that just reinforced that, as did, you know, support from many outside organizations this year, very well-known mainstream in their own rights, right? J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo Housing Fund, NeighborWorks America, the O'Neill Foundation. I'm sure I'm missing some there, Paul. Help me out. Bank of America as well would be in that list. Yeah, relatively small and a list that needs to grow in terms of donors. But we're so appreciative, of course, of this financial support because we are trying to meet the needs you know, across the US. We're in 21 states today with resident-owned communities. We need to support those communities in really important ways. Online training being one of them, support for the network of TA providers that provides important regional training and one-on-one -on -one training in communities. Uh, there were some great regional trainings this past year, by the way, Mike, in Montana and Minnesota and New Hampshire, and I think in the Pacific Northwest and New York as well. That doesn't happen without support. And you're absolutely right. J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo Housing Foundation and NeighborWorks America, as well as O'Neill Foundation, were really critical supporters last year. And I think if there's an institution out there looking to make an investment, a really meaningful impact investment this year, the Better Together Grants Program would be an excellent place to start. Yeah, so this was fun. 15 grantees selected. This is These are resources that Rock USA allocates to the association and the association directors go through an application process with co-ops and they awarded 15 grants last summer 
close to $30,000, I think 29,000 and some change for community projects. That's been a staple here at Rock USA and Rock Association. First year of the pandemic, actually, we, I think uh, the association and Rock USA funded over $50,000 because everybody was down on their luck a little bit during the startup of the pandemic. And we dug deep and figured out a way to give everybody a boost. That was fun. It's a smart program, the way that it's designed. So the projects are need to be visible so that people can see the impact and see what these grant dollars are going towards. But they also require the involvement of community members who aren't necessarily on the board of directors. And it's a great way to engage new members or more members and uh, sort of groom them for taking on perhaps some leadership roles in the future. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, a little bit of inside baseball here in 2022, we went through a process so that now our network of TA providers, there are 10 affiliates in Rock USA Network. There are names that many of you recognize, uh, North Country Cooperative Foundation, the Cooperative Development Institute, New Hampshire Community Loan Fund, 10 nonprofit affiliates that do pre and post-purchase technical assistance in communities. Those TA providers now elect two directors to the Rock USA board. And so one really important in terms of uh, inclusive structure and governance here at Rock USA, but it's also now makes the Rock USA board fully elected and appointed by stakeholders with the exception of one seat that the board itself selects. That's very unique in the nonprofit sector. Usually it's executive directors that uh, work it out and sort of handpick directors, but uh, not here at Rock USA. We really believe in multi-stakeholder governance and strategy. And really it's a little bit of a cooperative piece to our governance structure so that we have good representation on the board. So I was very excited to have the inaugural CTAPs uh, elected Tara Reardon from New Hampshire and Julia Curry from the Cooperative Development Institute serving on the Rock USA board now. That's right. And pair that with the three community leaders who are elected by their peers yeah. to sit on our board of directors and those being the Rock Association directors who, when they're elected, sit not only on the association board, but also Rock USA's board. So they represent the, the client communities that we're serving, if you will, and they end up, three of them are your boss. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I have more bosses than you can shake a stick at, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, the multi-stakeholder approach here was really put to uh, work in 2022. We worked through our next three-year strategic plan that the board has approved. And that strategic plan was worked on with input from rock leaders at the regional training events. Obviously, the rock association was deeply involved. And we had also input from our TA affiliates and Rock USA staff, as well as some external stakeholders that understand the community development finance space. So all of that was put together and has been approved by the board. And we'll be publishing that here pretty shortly. But it really takes an approach where we fully want to continue to support new co-ops, new acquisitions of communities, but really importantly, support the communities that already own their communities, support the co-ops that already own their communities, and the leadership development opportunities for co-op leaders. We truly believe that no co-op is an island. We don't want anybody out there isolated, you know, feeling alone. There's tremendous opportunities to exercise better together, be it through online training or peer-to-peer -peer networking through the association. There's someone here for you. Please reach out. There's contact forms actually on our website 
And uh, we really encourage for people not to feel isolated and to engage with other co-op leaders because you'll find tremendous inspiration and great ideas by interacting with peers. That's right. If there's an issue coming up in your co-op, remember there's 303 other ones and there's a good chance that that same issue has not only arisen in another co-op, but been resolved successfully as well. Yeah. And one of the forms we'll post to the show notes is you can invite to a meeting of your co-op, be it a board or membership, a fellow rock leader from another community. We have an outreach and education committee at the association and they are they make themselves available to zoom in and participate, provide a presentation at your meetings. And uh, again, it's just co-op to co-op and uh, drawing on that experience. So notes we'll add to the show notes. And just important to recognize here as we bring this to a close that back to what you said, Mike, better together. You know, let's just focus on 2023 of really working together, do the work collaboratively. Let's work through whatever problems exist. Let's continue the good work that's going on and prove that lots of people are capable of stepping up and providing leadership in their neighborhoods and providing safe and secure housing. And it takes everybody. We thank you for everything you guys are doing out there in co-ops. Of course, for everybody here at Rock USA and the ecosystem that we try to represent here on Ownership Matters. Thank you to everybody who's contributed to resident ownership in 2022 and stick with us in 2023 because there are great things coming. Indeed. I, I know I'm looking forward to seeing more expansion and more innovation. There's a lot coming next year. And I think come this time next year, when we're re- taking a look back at 2023, we're going to have more exciting things to report, fingers crossed, than we just did. But as always, this is, I think, a really great way to wrap up the previous season. And, and I'm excited to to see what's coming for us here on Ownership Matters next year. I sure am, Mike. This has been a lot of fun. And thank you for being a tremendous co-host. You have a voice for radio. And <laughs> thank you for playing along with me here. Better than a face for radio. See you next year. <laughs> Be well, everyone. Talk soon. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Ownership Matters. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And this is, of course, the kickoff episode for season three of Ownership Matters. Thank you, everybody, for joining us the first two seasons and for kicking off season three with us. Talk soon. Uh